you or continue to share those with you. So, Lord Jesus, grant unto us wisdom and your guidance to properly share and open your word. Hallelujah. I was um, thinking here as, as we're worshiping and stuff, and then as Micah shared about the, the children, and then that, that song is kind of a nice song. That's our song. Um, I began to think, you know, when a child is, is a newborn and then growing up very young, it's somewhat exciting to grow. They find nothing as a bump. Everything is so new and exciting. They want to learn how to crawl. They want to learn how to talk. They want to learn how to do things for themselves. And they, they, there's kind of an excitement about very young children about growing. As you grow, however, the growth process changes. After a while, growth is not just growth. It's called maturing or coming into what we're supposed to be coming into. It's kind of growing up into the fullness or the inheritance of who we are. And at that point, learning and growing is not just fun. It actually becomes a choice. It becomes something that I choose to endure suffering as a good soldier to fulfill my calling for whom I have called, or I begin to draw back. So at one point when learning is, boys, this new exciting stuff, some, at some point learning becomes a work that I have to choose to enter into. Any of the children coming to school for the first time realize that, wow, that school looked like a lot of fun when you didn't go there. Now, I mean, it really still is fun, but not in the same vain kind of imagination. You thought that, wow, writing would be just, you put a pen in my hand and, boom, it would be like just learning how to eat or learning how to, you know, have your diaper changed, or learning how to, you know, do all these... But it was like, isn't no fun. Ow! I, and this, I believe the same thing happens as us. When we first get saved, there's such a... There's kind of a new excitement in, wow, there's things that I haven't done before. And wow, you know, you just sit down to eat, and you're going to pray, and then there's this thing called worship, and there's this thing called talking to the Lord, and there's things like reading the Word. And the newness of it is there's a growth that undertakes us that it's just almost a natural excitement that's there. But shortly thereafter, to walk with the Lord, Jesus said, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And as I just said in, in I think, Second Peter says, we must endure hardness as a good soldier. Therefore then, my growth then is something that I choose then to say, you know what, this is the right thing to do. This is what I must do. Now, I was, at a, I was someplace. I don't want to make a political statement, so uh, that's why I'm being a little silent. But I was at a place, and you probably all know what it is anyway. And I was speaking, and um, the answer that I got from the council was, you know what? I told you. We are in favor of small government too, but... And I didn't think of anything much of that until this morning as we're worshiping. And Jim Durkin used to always be preaching that as Christians we say, we, we believe in the Word of God, but there comes things that press upon us that will, just as I'm saying, there's a growth process that comes that I, I get pressed upon to say, yes, I know these things to be true, but da-da-da-da-da-da. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We we understand that story only in a, a small part. But that started when they were in the king's house. And now they were Jewish people. And we know the law is we should only eat kosher. But here we are in a strange land. And wouldn't it just be easier just to get along? Now I want us to look at there's a mindset that is pressing and is ever growing at a a tremendous rate. And as I look into the scripture and I look back in history, this was not always the mindset. But in this time and in this generation, there is a growing mindset of compromise and wanting to be nice. As I look at the scripture, I find Jesus... Now, please hear me in a natural level. Actually, in a spiritual level, I'm, I'm talking as it manifests physically. I look at the scripture, Jesus does not seem to be a politically not, not correct person or always looking out just to be sensitive or nice. That was not his goal. But we now as Christians, we have the word of God, but you see, there's, we have to get along. But we need to be sensitive. Jim would preach on this and say, here's the word of God, but I'd explain it away by, but we know. And I think upon us and upon this generation, then I'm going to look at the generation that is actually being born now, there is things that they will have no contact with whatsoever from a godly point of view that many of us have at least known. There's growing up a generation that does not know that abortion is wrong. There's growing up a generation that does not know homosexuality is wrong. You're growing up a generation that does not know about prayer in school or the Ten Commandments or right decisions or family values or how to pray. Or They're not even going to have any reference point of that. Where many of us have seen that change, they are coming into a world that is, here it is. And the values are being set up. And for them to grow in God, it's going to be a violent experience. The Bible says those that take the kingdom of God have to suffer it by force and take it by violence. And so as I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, this is happening to us. How then ought we to walk? And so we have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And here they have the word of God. There was hundreds, thousands, if not millions of Jews, children of Israel that were taken captive the same as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I'm sure there was others that, you know, continued to hold on to the truth. But in comparison to the numbers, as a matter of fact, I don't know that. Because there was only three in that city that would not bow down. I think there was more that knew they shouldn't bow down. There's more that said, well, no, that would be the right thing. But be aware when the buts and your circumstances come in. Because what that means is I begin to elevate my life above what God's direction is. And Jesus said, you'll know that you love me if you keep my commandments. And so at some point there's going to come conflict in our life to where I choose either to move by, yes, I know that to be true, but I have certain needs in my life. I have certain things that I want in my life. I have certain things that I see. And but we know, yes, this is true, but we know I must make this decision even though that word says not to. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would stand up and say, Oh, king, live forever. But we, we can't eat that food. We, won't, we don't want to eat that food. Here's what we want to do. They made a bold stand. See? Now, that, for them, it worked out, seemed to work out pretty well. For some, it didn't work out near as well as we think in this world. 
But the Bible says actually it works out for them better because they're looking for a great resurrection and a hope of glory and reward. Because they put this word and they put the love of God, they put what could not be seen above their own needs, above their own emotions, above their... They began to learn through suffering. They choose to say, I will... David said about this word, it is more important to me than my daily food. And what is really a trial? A trial is something that comes against me that says, like the devil would say, the Bible says this. I want you to do this. And Jesus would say, no, I choose this. And I choose this. This is the way the Word of God becomes placed in us. And for lack of a better explanation, it creates godly good habits that are not always acceptable here, but acceptable in the cosmos or the, the ring of the sphere of this world that is saying, man, I need, man, so I'm looking at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, wow, you know, that's nothing like what's, what's happening today. Lazarus is dying. What would be the right thing to do? Well, let's drop everything. Let's go. Imagine, this is the Savior of the world. We're not coming. And Jesus knew full well he would die. Another place talks, locks out the five virgins. I'm going, my goodness. And see, it, 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 it offends. What does it really offend? It doesn't offend me. It offends my natural life and my sense of morality more than God. See, God's not offended at himself. God's not apologizing for his word. He says, my word is truth. But what it does is it offends that natural nature in me that says, oh my... I don't want to cause trouble. And again, the pressure of that is ever increasing upon us to where becoming nice has become the God of this world. To where there is no wickedness. Everything is being accepted. Now, I remember back, and I'm just, I'm just kind of talking, I'm trying to find the place where, right, like I said, these things are working in my heart, and I try to look out just as Micah did and said, well, I think there's, a, there's kind of an interesting parable. There's, you know, that baby that was all pretty excited about three weeks ago. Now she's down on the couch, a little baby. Little baby down on the couch by herself. No one even around there. Thank God for Micah. He came to the rescue. But we we, we kind of get off on these things. I am saying a command. So as we come through, we got to say, okay, Lord, let your word guide my life. Here's going to come some... See, but many times we do not see the trial as a real trial. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I think they were just going through life. There they were. They weren't real... How, have you ever felt like you're, you're not in control of your life? Does anybody ever feel like, man, I just wish... Man, I something... Man, I just... What's exactly what I'm supposed to be? I'm not supposed to be in control of my life. Well, I just want to do what I wish... No. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I don't know if their family was killed, but they were at least taken from their home, their villages, their city. They were, I don't know, herded like cattle, found themselves here. <laughs> and began then to practice this word in a foreign nation, in a place that they seem to have no control of. But there is one thing seemingly we have control over. That's the decisions we make. And that's called faith. That's called love. And that's called hope. Now, if we don't do that, we're going to hopefully get to the point where we, Pat was reading at, on Wednesday night. We don't walk, or we don't want to walk. He says the Bible says we should not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. 
I believe godly people or Christians can actually walk ungodly. They can walk in a manner that they are not being able to witness the gospel. Lot is a tremendously perfect example. The Bible calls him a righteous man. But his entire life was filled with ruin. Then not only his life, but for generations to come, would be ruined and hassled and tormented by the decisions Lot would make. And many people, I believe, even amongst ourselves, are godly people because of the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins. Thank God for that. But we're not suffering to learn him. Take my yoke upon you and what? Learn of me. Oh, it's not goo goo gaga anymore? No, it's take the yoke. Okay. Now let me learn what you want me to learn. See, now the yoke is something that's uncomfortable. I don't know if anybody's had handcuffs on or anything like that or ever been tied up or you, you can't go where you want to go. Now, that's there for a reason. The yoke is some, somewhat like the law. It shows you where you're bucking against. See, and when you're, when you're in the yoke, you know what could be right over here? Some nice, beautiful grass about this high, just been watered. And guess what you want to do? You were telling me about dogs the other day. You were telling me about, what was the name of those, those therapy dogs? What, is that what they called? Answer me. Can, I can't see your face. Yes? Therapy dogs. And she says, one of the tests, they have, to, they have to pass a test. And one of the tests was they put a hamburger down on the floor, freshly cooked, and they have to walk the dog by it. We'd all fail. <laughs> and they said the dog can't even look at the hamburger. Is that correct? Now, how did that dog do that? Because now he was trained. He learned something. Because you know what everything in him is saying? Ah, ah. That's the but. You know, I really like that guy in the bed, but ah! <laughs> There's a learning that comes through suffering and the suffering of love that takes the yoke upon us. And I'm talking about this generation that is now being born that is going that doesn't know anything about the yoke that doesn't know anything about the right, and even amongst us here is happening. We need to be people that say, this is what God has been spoken. We are going to be peculiar people. There is no yoke anymore. We gladly, as Peter did, stretches out his hand and allows someone else to govern his life. Or we say, yes, this is true, but you don't know. But, and then from that but, I make decisions that go against my actual belief. Lot, he believed something, but he made decision and decision against what he believed. See, again, if there's no practicing of that, if there's no suffering of that, there's no learning, we become people that become deceived. And the godly, who should be shining the light, actually become no better, at least in this world and for God's purpose, than the ungodly. They're counseling out of the same appetite. They're counseling out of the same lust. They're, ca- they're counseling out of the same self-centered instead of, nope, this is the right thing to do. I don't understand it, but this is, this is okay. I'll take that yoke upon me. Now, how many people, is that, is that you know, somewhat clear? Okay. So I want us to begin to look at that and say, Lord, if I love you, I must keep your commandments. Even though it may seem like that's a waste of a good hamburger. Well, I don't, man, if, if I do this, you know what's going to happen to my life? 
Boy, if I did that, you know what's going to happen to me? If I did that, who's going to look out for me? And Jesus would say, if I do that, do you know what would happen to me? If I do that, do you know what would? And he said, yes, I do know what would happen to me. But I trust and I love my father more than my own life. They wanted to make him king. And in those days, I mean, today even being a king isn't too bad. But back then, if you were king, you could do anything. And what did Jesus say? He refused that on more than one occasion. He refused to save his own life when the opportunity was given to him. He would refuse to fulfill his own appetite when the opportunity was given to him. Because he understood that God has a great purpose. And so in that purpose, my life is not, at least my existence, I don't want to say life, because that, at least my existence here and my appetites here in this world are nothing to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us. But we are to be people that walk, not only be godly by the blood of Jesus Christ, but we are to walk in a godly manner. We are to live in a godly manner. We are to be yoked. And my mindset, my entire point of thinking must begin to be changed. Now, I, I, I believe it that if you're yoked as an oxen, that grass is always going to look green. That grass is always going to look delicious. And as soon as the instructor's gone, I'm going after the hamburger. That is always there. See, sometimes I think we think that, man, that's just not going to be there. I don't care how often you fast. Pat was talking about fasting. I think it's a good point. I don't know how many people here have ever fasted, especially some of the young people. I think it's a good thing to go without a meal for a day or two. Wouldn't hurt any of us. I can hear the mind saying, well, you know, I've got diabetes and I've got am." No, that's not what I'm talking about. There's things that you could, man, I need to learn how to do that. See, again, we're, we're living in, in a generation that we do not understand the, the value of suffering. We don't understand the point. We don't understand anything. And then there's this immediate satisfaction or whatever. See, this book is written to man. It's written to sinful man. And it makes no sense unless I take that point of view. See, if I am a sinner saved by grace, then I understand the things that in me that come up are not necessarily and most of the time are not godly. And therefore, I need the Word, I need the church, and I need the yoke to continually keep me, to rein me in, to walk in a godly manner. But when I realize that I am not a sinner, then I believe that everything that is within me is a good thing, and how dare you tell me I'm a sinner? And when Jesus came to this world, He began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And what happened? How dare you tell me to repent? I'm... And that mindset killed the Son of God. And that is on an ever-increasing thing that whatever you feel is the right thing to do. And part of it is true. Oh, I see, I can't help it. I was born that way. Yes, you were born that way. But there's a rebirth that wants to touch you. That says you don't, God has forgiven that part of your life. Now walk in this word. See, there'd be no difference. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm a homosexual, and I'm a weirdo, and I'm a this, and I'm a that, and I think this is good. That's why you see an, the increasing of everything taking place. Because there is no fear of God before their eyes, the Bible says. That should not be so amongst us. Just some antidotes. Antidotes. 
I don't know if they're necessary. We'll to get to them at another time. But I believe I need, we need to arm ourselves with that same mind. But wait a minute. You know, this is not all about my life. This is not about... I, I was thinking about that, you know, and how some, you know, sometimes we need to fulfill... You know, I mean, God has given us a tremendous leeway. I mean, just look at all the enjoyment most of us have most of the time. I mean, my goodness, we got more goodies coming out our nose and, and everything like that. And I mean, we got pleasure everywhere. There's not a problem. And sometimes we, we actually seek to pursue those. I think we need to be careful. The Bible says if you're invited to the king's table and your, your appetites are attracted to that, put a knife to your throat. See, now, I'd be careful because there is a spirit of this world. Kings, the ones that rule, are speaking something. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was speaking something. Bow down. Pontius Pilate was speaking something. All throughout time. And in this age, there is something being spoken, and it's meant to appeal to your appetites. And if that draws you, and say, oh man, you know, that's a really... Bread and circuses was the, was the theme in Rome while they were killing Christians. Oh, well, man, we've got to go along with it because they give us bread there, and we go there and we're entertained, and... Wait a minute. That's not what my life is about. I don't know. I'm sure there was probably Christians that were overtaken by that. Said, well, you know, what can I do? I guess this is the way... Wait a minute. That's not what God says. Now, I know we're called to be here and we're to pray for those that are in leadership, but it doesn't mean they're always correct. The Bible says we're to pray for them that we should live a godly and peaceable life. I mean, you know, the, the joke in... I don't know how much of a joke it was when you're under persecution out of uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Let's pray for the... Let's, is there a blessing for the czar? Yes, there's a blessing for the czar. May the Lord keep the czar far away from us. Amen. They wanted to live a peaceable life. But the most of the powers that be, I'm talking about spiritual powers and entities, are not living for that purpose. And if you're not founded in the Word of God and directed by the Word of God, then you are open to another voice that's appealing to appetite. And I don't care what that appetite is. If it's not based in that Word, it is wrong. And you will see that appetite is never. Proverbs, uh, close to where I think Proverbs, uh, where was that? Proverbs 27, 12. As hell and death are never filled, either is the lust of the eye or man's appetite. What was good 20 years ago, oh man, if we just had a little freedom, and now it's never good enough. I remember hitchhiking around, boy, if I, were, if I could just have $20. If I had $20, I could, man, now $20, I don't even get to buy a hamburger I can't eat. Man. It's ever growing. The lust of man is never sat. Oh, well, you may, no, see, we're never really going to do that. We just want equal. Now we want to destroy your marriage and we want to destroy society. We want, wait a minute, that's not right. Now, I'm only saying that because, but in our lives here, there are things that pull us aside by appetites too that are not drawing us or leading us closer to God's way but are leading us away. And the more we are led away, the next generation and the next generation will be led away. There are things that... That's why I prayed for the parents and the teachers today. We need to be setting the example. See, there needs to be... Well, you know what? 
People need to understand. See, when they looked at Jesus, they understood there was a great suffering that went on in him because the cross was there before him. And he went into the garden and he prayed. And he would be continually talking about this, that he was going to have what he was going to suffer. And they understood that Jesus laid down his life for the will of the Father. Many other things he could have done, many other offers he had, many other appetites that he had. But we need to be careful to understand that, oh yes, well, I know what the Word of God says, but we know and I can't and I have to and I have... No, 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 I understand that. But this is what must govern my life. This is what, again, we talk about pruning. I must allow myself to be pruned. And I said, as the older you get physically and spiritually that growth and learning becomes an act of sacrifice and work rather than, oh, look, I'm learning to brush my teeth and, oh, well, I need to go... Not too much of that anymore. I mean, there's some of that, and I think that's a good thing. But the newness wears off pretty quick, and pretty soon baby Elizabeth is left on the couch ready to fall off. <laughs> and, oh, well, yeah. See, we haven't changed a whole lot. Now, I, I know that, that there's some of that's natural stuff, but okay. Let's turn our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. Chapter 1 of Proverbs. read this several weeks ago. And then as Pat was sharing on Wednesday, which I thought was excellent, uh, read Proverbs 27, or when we'll get to that. The same word was used that we've been talking about. Prudence. The prudent man. The prudent man sees evil coming and prepares for it. And I began to think about that. See, now, evil most of the time does not come across with a big, you know, what do they call those wife beater T-shirts on? That says, evil! Now, I what I was thinking about. You know, back in the day, which was kind of a few days away, the only people who had tattoos were like the Hell's Angels. And if you saw a tattoo on a man, you better not even be in the same block with him. Because that said, we're hell's angels. We're bad people. We're, you know... And you understood that that's what tattoos meant. Now, soft people. Now, I only sense that they're humor shocked. They're soft, wimpy people. You have business people. You have business people. Three-piece suit people. I'm not afraid of a three-piece suitor. It has lost something, but evil has increased. Evil no longer comes across as the hell's angel. It comes across as, hi, how are you? I'm just a normal guy. No, you're not. You have been enveloped. I remember having an earring back in the day. You could get beat up for that. There are certain spaces I didn't go because of my length of my hair. Now, every, every place is evil. It has encroached under that. Oh, it doesn't have the same connotation. Oh, it does. It just has been presented differently. And it's easy then to get sucked up into that. Oh, it doesn't have the same meaning. Oh, wait a minute. Be careful how that works. And so evil doesn't usually come... Oh, how many people, how many people here would run out and do evil today? No. But if it came across as the foolish woman and says, oh, let me just tell you, I know your needs. I can meet your needs. I can help you. I can let me, you know, and I go to church too. 
the simple one may be distracted. Oh, see, we're not hell's angels anymore. You know what? It's a lot worse now than when it was hell's angels. Because then at least they had the sense and say, I don't go to that neighborhood. I don't go there. Now they actually come to me. And, you know, like I said, they have three-piece suits on. They got earrings and pierces and, you know, stuff like this. Now, that, now, now, please hear me. I know some of us have gotten into that kind of stuff before we say, wherever said, don't care. But I'm telling you, it sends a message. You need to be careful how you walk. I don't want to send an ungodly message that becomes a stumbling block to somebody else. Paul talks about, do not put a stumbling block. Well, I'm not, I, I, I now am free. I can eat and drink and do just about anything that I want, and the Bible says I can do that. But that's not the freedom Paul is talking about. That's not the freedom that the Holy Spirit is talking about. That's not the freedom Jesus came to give us. We already had that freedom under sin. The freedom Jesus gave us is that we can lose our life to truly find life. And there are things, you know, like I said, many people pursue their, what they like to do. And I, I think about this sometimes. Now, I know I over-exaggerate and I feel sorry for myself, just like most everybody else. And sometimes I sit there and go, you know what? Sometimes I wish I could be normal. Now, and what I mean by that is, you know, I look at people having fun and they actually enjoy things, and I look and say, you know, anything that I enjoyed is either illegal, immoral, unprofitable, or wicked. And I go like, you know, I wish... Now, there's a few things that I'm learning to, you know, kind of have some kind of release in or uh, enjoyment... But they're like, you know, it's not like, oh, wow, I just like to do this. I would be careful of letting those things just rule your life. Now, maybe, you know, they don't have to be. There's a lot of things Jesus could have enjoyed that weren't illegal, immoral. Could have been even right. As a matter of fact, he once said someplace that the disciples were so astounded by what he said. He said, then who could be saved? He was saying, don't. There's got to be a mind-blowing experience in the gospel. There's got to be a love of the the purpose of God that rules my life above, well, you know what? I'm allowed to do that. I'm not talking about what you're allowed to do. I'm talking about wanting us to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ that are blowing forth a trumpet and saying, man, I don't want to do that. I know I'm purposely right. I'm not going to send me to hell. I think I could do a lot of things. But I'm saying, you know what? This is what this book is telling me to do. I think I won't eat that hamburger. I think I'll... I. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be suffering, but I got to. I got to do this. Wouldn't it have been easier? Again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There is a natural desire in us. Have you ever gone into a really fancy bakery? You don't look at the donuts, do you? You're looking at the Charlotte Russe and the whipped cream and the Napoleon. Wow, I wonder what that is. And the first thing that enters your mind, wow, I wonder what that tastes like. Wow, I wonder what that could be. And here you have these poor little Jewish boys. All they know is matzah and chopped liver. And then they come to Babylon at the king's table. They got stuff on there. And they're going, wow, I wonder what that would taste like. Wow. You know, I'm, the, it hasn't hurt the king any. I think we'll eat vegetables. Come on. There's only someone that could see the value in that. That would be God. Because otherwise it would look like It'd just be ridiculous. So be careful what you order at the bakery. 
And this is what I believe God wants to put into us. This is the book of Proverbs is saying, I want to teach you some wisdom. Wisdom is not something you naturally have, particularly God wisdom. It is something that has to be acquired. It's something that has to be learned. It's something that has to be practiced. And it's something that has to be adhered to. It does not come. And you know what? It's very easy to lose it. You could be the wisest man in all the world. I think there was somebody like that called Solomon. And he seemed to lose it over a few good-looking ladies. Where he knew what to do. He even writes about it. He writes about what? Son, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. I don't know how many concubines he's got. I don't know what the difference between a concubine and a wife is. But I don't think you're supposed to have more than one of those. But here's Samuel. Solomon. Just doing all kinds of weird things. Building temples to other gods. Finding strange women. Leaving off the call of God in his life. Why? Well, but... Well, but he left his first love. Now, that's, I don't think first love is a feeling. It is the action. See, where learning was like, oh, wow, yes. Now it's a little bit suffering, but my first love says, I still must learn that. See, I must give myself to that. And that's where love actually comes into place, is when we actually willingly do it. Proverbs chapter 1. This is the reason that Proverbs is given. Proverbs primarily is not given for salvation. Now, I know this has upset some people before. After, if you are in church here, I think there's a place to talk about salvation. I think we're going to be doing that as soon as we get done with this in the next few years. I think we need to be people that get witness and preach the gospel. But my primary function is not to tell you about salvation over and over again. Just like a father, once the child is born, that's done. Now he has a tremendous responsibility, is to teach that child what it is to be born, what it is to be a person, what it is, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to take him the rest of his life. The joy of that birth is going to soon diminish when... Wacko John is at your door at 12 o'clock in the evening, burn out on drugs or something, or he needs some money, or this is happening. or and, oh, and that's why we don't like to grow up into him. But the purpose that we are here is to become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and be a light in the world and a city set on a hill to live a godly example, shining forth the message of the gospel. That does not come all in one shot and it doesn't come just by you being here. It comes through violence and practicing the Word of God and denying yourself to fulfilling God's purpose. And here God is now speaking and saying, I want you to hear something. The reason that I'm writing Proverbs is that you can receive in, verse, in chapter 3, verse, ch- chapter 1, verse 3, to receive instruction of wisdom. Wisdom wants to instruct you. And now at this point, Wisdom is for you to be instructed is going to be a little bit of hard work. You're not going to want to do your homework. You're not going to want to bring your school books to school. You're not going to want to do your reading. You're not going to want to put on the uniform. You're not going to want to have your hair cut the right way. You're not going to want to write that report. But you're going to hear instruction of wisdom if we love Him. 
Not a rousing amen on that. See, we thought love was about getting roses on your anniversary. If that was the case, me and my wife were not in love. It's okay to get roses for your anniversary. I think that's good. But that's not love. Hallelujah. Love is a many splendor thing. Okay. Re- receive inst- Now, are you ready to hear re- receive the instruction of wisdom? Wisdom is going to be crying out. And wisdom is going to be saying when that foolish woman is there and she knows every one of your needs, and man, that, you know, it's just too hard to go to that church. And I'm telling you, if you've got some needs, I'll, I'll help you. Wisdom is going to say, son, run away. You're going to run away. Now, justice, judgment, and equity. Verse 4, to give subtility to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. I believe what needs to take place is a, the mind of Christ needs to be worked in us so that we live a godly life here in this world. And I'm telling you, most people, most Christian folks, we do not give ourselves to learning what this just said. Most of us go around pretty simple. Be led about by the spirit of this world like Lot. Led about with no sense of discernment of what's really being said or what's really being behind the motive. And God says, I do not want you to be simple. I want you to be prudent or subtle. And the word means crafty, like he was the, 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 the serpent was. He knew what was going on. And many times we just take things at face value. Oh, they're giving bread and circuses. I think that's a wonderful thing. Well, I just think, wait a minute. What does the Word of God say about that? You better be understanding what's be taking place. Now, because we are not wise, the Bible says, because they, the lack of knowledge, my people perish. People are being led about by the system of this world because we do not love His Word, because we do not yoke ourselves with Him, we do not allow the wisdom to speak to us. I just pretty much are led about by my Christian appetites, which there are no Christian appetites. There is faith that works by love that says, God, You've called me. Guide my life. It's not my own anymore. And realizing that every appetite that I have in this flesh has got to be channeled through that at the very best. So he wants to give subtility to the simple. I find simple people are not people you really want to work with. Innocent people, and I know this is going to sound funny, innocent people are not the ones you want to work with. Innocence in a child is very lovely. But in an adult, it's not so lovely. Oh, well, there's nothing. It never says to be innocent. It says to be wise. And concerning evil, don't mess with it. There needs to be a discernment. Wouldn't it be nice just to be innocent? Couldn't it be nice if we weren't ever tempted? Then we could be innocent. Then we would, we would have no problem. But we're supposed to be wise, and wisdom now is speaking to us. Now let's turn to Proverbs chapter 27. So there's this, now again, the mind of Christ, Proverbs is saying, I want you to get some things down so you start learning what's going on. You can start having some, you can be, have some prudence and subtility and you're just not being led about dumbly. Okay? You need to be like, well, wait a minute. That's not the right... Oh, now see, if Jesus was innocent and simple, oh, they want to make me king. Oh, praise God, I think I'll just go along with that. Oh, Lazarus is, is dead. Let's go just go heal him. 
Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. There has got to be something greater working in our life. And I have to put on that mind of Christ. If we do not screen everything through the Word of God and the mind of Christ, then most of the time we will be led astray just simply living our own life. I mean, it just happens. 27. Okay, now, verse 12. A prudent man. Now, there's that word prudent. It means tricky, cunning. Someone who's like, wait a minute, I can see behind the mirror. See? Kind of like, you know, you used to be able to, you used to, be able to, you to I, little kids are easy to fool. You know, this, this one worked real good. Da 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 Did you catch that? See, it's not there anymore? Okay. And they go, wow, how did you do that? And then realize, you know, a lot of us are like that. A little bit of tinsel and, oh, wow, it's so good. No, 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 wait a minute. That's not what the Word of God is preaching. So he wants a prudent man. Now, a, a, a prudent man sees evil. Now, remember, evil now is cleverly disguised as the nice person, as a person who has something in store for you. No longer the hell's angel. I mean, he's out there, but you don't have to be a hell's angel anymore. See, a, wise, a prudent man, don't want to use that he sees evil. First off, what does he do? He sees it. Yeah. Most people don't even recognize it. They're inviting it into their house. They're, they're, they're living it in their brain. They don't recognize the evil. But a prudent man, one who's been with the Lord, who's now learning how to be a wise, is the serpent. Serpent has a bad connotation. Not dumb. Serpent knows what's going on. Like this, you know. And going, okay, wait a minute. And I know I've talked to people, you know, some people you just can't say this to, but I'm hoping amongst us here, that's evil. Oh, they go, oh, no, that couldn't be evil. That's a very, they're being very, very nice. They're being good people. They're just trying to, evil! Prudent man will see that. Oh, no, they're just trying to help the poor. They're just all for the family. Evil! Sheep in wolf's clothing. So we, I believe the, mind, the, the proverb wants us to be prudent people that says, oh, wait a minute, I'm watching. See, the Bible says he sets watchmen on the wall. Now, usually, again, in that period of time, they had watchmen on the wall. Do you know why? They were watching out for the enemy. Do you know why they had to have watchmen on the wall? Because most of the time the enemy didn't send, uh, uh, we're coming at 3 o'clock in the morning, we're the bad guys. Uh, they're watching. That bush just moved. Oh, no, you know, it must be the wind. You know, I don't know. Prudent man watching on the... Wait! They blow the trumpet. We need to be people that are watching out for the, our families, watching out for our children, watching out for the church, the kingdom of God, saying, wait a minute, that's an attack. That's not a right thing. That's a spot. Wait a minute. We will not be led about by that kind of thinking. Now, my voice... Now, again, see, again, there's a great intimidation because it's... And it appeals to our nice nature to be nice and accepting. We just want to get along with everybody. Jesus seemed to get along with very few people. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, 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 now again, parents said it good. I don't, I don't think we want to be people that are just nasty people. I think we want to be people that are compassionate but speak the truth. And sometimes the truth is just tough, especially when little Johnny comes up and he's been working really hard. I mean, his hand is sore. He's just... He's just learning how to do math. And he did, you know, the five problems. And it, I mean, he's been crying and doing it. And he just, he really tried hard. And he got three and three equals seven. You know, you can be compassionate, but the truth says that's, that's wrong. You've got to do it again. Now, I don't care if you, how, you, how you say that. 
he's not going to want to do it again. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't. The truth sometimes hurts. Now, I, now again, I, 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 I believe there's a place in the Scripture, you can find a place for brotherly love and compassion like that, but I, I don't... I think Aaron said it. Mike has got a thick skin. Now, I think we need to be people that have thick skins. Not... And now everything... You can't say anything! Everybody's offended, and if they're not offended, I heard this one, they're offended for somebody else that might be offended. This is not the love of God. There are certain things that will offend, and Jesus Christ and the church and the truth is a big one. And wisdom crying out to you is a big one. I believe we need to be thick-skinned. I believe we need to be like the Lord Jesus Christ and like Paul the Apostle and all those men and women of faith. They had things hurled against them. And they continued to manifest the love of God. They continued to hold fast the truth. I've heard a pastor once say, our hearts need to be as big as elephants and hide as thick as water buffalo. You take that thing. Oh, well, we're just trying to be... I think we ought to be very sensitive. You know who we need to be sensitive to? the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. That's going to be the... Mo- you know what? Because naturally, we're oversensitive to one another's um, affinities, aren't we? Oh, I don't want to say anything because they might get mad. I don't want to say anything because they won't understand. That's not the love of God. That's the love of man. You look at the, the Lord Jesus Christ having to rebuke Peter and having to rebuke the Pharisees and having to... I mean, over, could you imagine going to church, overthrowing all the tables? I mean, my goodness... What's the matter with that man? Now, if you overthrow the tables and chairs here, I wish you'd put them back. That's all I ask. So we need a mindset that needs to be taught to you. You're not able to discern on your own. Have you ever noticed young children, not even young children, they don't know the difference between good food and dirt? They'll eat anything. That's why you have to kind of watch them. They haven't learned discernment is learned. You're not born with it. They have to learn to wear clothes. They're not born with it. Simply because we're born naked doesn't mean that's the way we're supposed to stay. Well, see, I was born that way. Yeah! Get a diaper on! Well, I was just born eating this everything like this and doing... No! That's stupid. The Bible says, I want you to get some discernment. Now, discernment has to be... Discernment is what? Is being able to say, oh, that's that, and that's that. Now, the reason we need discernment is because many times a sheep comes in wolf clothing. Hell's angel now comes dressed in the three-piece business suit. The real wickedness comes as your next-door neighbor, or even in you, or in your child, or on your TV set, or the nice, oh, man, I'm just a nice guy, just get along. You know, what's wrong with it? Well, don't ask me. See, you can't ask me because one of the biggest problems I had, I didn't think there was anything wrong with anything when I got saved. I didn't understand why there was anything, why people were having a problem with, I mean, every ungodly sin. I was going, let's just be, come on, what's the problem? What's the problem? Don't ask me. I, I have too much sympathy for you. But the Bible says that's not right. I've got to say, oh, now, if the Word of God does not direct my steps, I really don't love Him and I don't believe Him. I'm running my own life. Well, I know this is true, but see, I've got, I've got some issues here. Well, man, if I don't do this, who's going to take care of me? Well, in practicing the Word of God, 
We show the love of God. We demonstrate our love for Him and, and we become the light of the world. There's going to come times that there's going to be things that man like, I just don't understand why. I, I got... No, I know, but I cannot do that. All right? That's called learning how to discernment. Okay, so the prudent man needs... We're learning how to see evil. And again, many times as children, they don't understand evil. I mean, not... They, they'll touch a hot stove, they'll touch fire, they'll eat worms, they'll pick up a rattlesnake. Oh, well, isn't that cute? They're just doing whatever they feel to do and then nothing's wrong with it. Get some discernment, child. You don't do that. And even after they're taught to discernment, at first it's fun to learn discernment. Children realize, oh boy, they can get dressed and they, they like not to be naked. They get clothes on. But then after a while, evil's always there. I'm only saying that because I, you know, and that wasn't, you know, but you're going to find them doing stuff like that. You're going to find them having their sister, brother in a hammerlock when they've been taught, oh, yes, this is your sister. You're going to find these things. See, and again, the, the newness wears off, but evil never wears off. And even though we know the truth, it has to be reinforced, reinforced. And the way it's reinforced and the way it holds your life is when you practice it, you get discernment. Prudent man so it sees evil. We need to start discerning what evil is. There is evil overtaking this world and overtaking your church and overtaking your lives, and most of the time, we don't even see it. Jesus understood evil coming at him. They want to make me king. No way. They want to spare my life. No way. They want me to. They want me to. Good, they want me to turn these stones into bread. How, that would be a good thing. No. They want me... No. There is something greater that he began to discern. See, Pilate didn't understand that. He, said, he didn't discern it. He thought he had the power of life and death in his hands. And if you're looking at that, you're saying, my goodness, Jesus, take it, take it, take it. He's got... Take it, come on. And Jesus was able to, at his own destruction, or seemingly so, he would be able to discern that as a prudent man and say, no, you don't. I trust God. Even though this will kill me, even as Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him? As Isaac would say, some year, 40 years of age, I need to be married. No, I will trust him. No, I will not do this. I will not do this. I... And those things worked into us. A discernment that says, I trust God more than my circumstances more than my feelings, more than my appetite. This word of God is not like, yes, I believe that too, but no, I believe this. Amen. Now, then I'll go through what I need to go through, and believe me, I go through stuff. And I put myself through all kinds of, you know, that, that, that psalm, oh, what peace we forfeit. Oh, na, 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 na. I, every time I think, sing that song, it's me. I say, man, what have I been doing again for the last Every, you know, we sing that every few years, so it's fine. Man, I haven't changed at all. I haven't changed. Man, what's going on? Well, thank God he keeps us. Okay. The prudent man foresees evil. I need to see these things. And then what does he do? Well, he hides himself from it. See, now again, sometimes we think, oh, it's the evil. Let's go punch it in the nose. Well, sometimes we don't always punch it in the nose. There's a time to speak. But sometimes what I need to do is preserve what God has given me. 
Well, you know, you can't keep the world from your children. Well, duh. Two and two is four, too. What's the point? Well, you might as well just let them. No, you don't let them do that. Kind of. Well, I can't. You know, you can't keep them out of traffic. So let them learn at the age of three. Don't do that kind of stuff. We are called to teach. Like I said, there's a generation that's coming up that doesn't know these things. They don't know how to pray. They don't know that there's a morality. They don't know marriage is sanctified. They don't know abort. They don't know. They, all they know is evil is being called good. They don't know the hell's angels. They just know the hell that it's brought. And that now it's been cleaned up. And say, look, oh, we're all nice. I want us to have these prudent people that see evil and say, no, we don't live that way. He hides himself. But the simple, here again the simple, and many times we say stay simple simply because we do not want to learn. I don't want to be told three and three is not six. I worked real hard on this. I've got some things that I worked real hard in my life. I've got some things that I believe. I've got some needs in my life. Hogwash! If that's the way we want to live, we ought not to be here. If we want to live our own life, let's not even hear the Word of God. We'll have a little baptism pool. I'll baptize you in the name of Jesus when you're age of three. See you in about 80 years. But if we're here to turn the world upside down, I don't want simple people. I want people that are hearing the Word of God and saying, I bend myself to that. Because the simple, you know what they do? They don't even see the evil. They just go on and are punished. And they start passing their kids through the fire and tattooing and piercing and drinking and homosexual and everything. And that's the gross stuff. But we've got people in church just living their own life. This isn't what it says. I don't want simple people, Jesus says. He loves them. He died for them. But I can't send them into battle. They won't fulfill my purpose. Jesus was not simple. He was prudent. He understood what was taking place in this world. And Jesus is going to speak to us. And he even we wept over Jerusalem. Scriptures always touch me. He wept over Jerusalem and said... That when you see these signs coming, because Jerusalem, some 90 years, I believe, after Jesus was, they wiped out Jerusalem, wasn't it? 40 years? 40 years. You think they'd remember? He said, because you did not understand, what was, because you didn't discern, you stayed simple. You didn't learn the lessons. There's coming an army that will wipe out Jerusalem, burn this temple down, will wreck everything. He says, when you see these signs approaching Jerusalem, get out! But you know what? Well, we're just going about life. And, and many people I, were slain in that day, some 40 years after Jesus was on the earth, because they would not hear and discern what was taking place. Oh, everything's kind of going along the same. No, nothing's really changed. I think you're just being emotional. Because there are some signs that you need to be watching for. And many times we're not watching the signs because we're sucked up right in them. You're not coming along with the big Harleys. Vroom, vroom. Don't draw attention. They appeal to your nature just like that silly little woman says, Oh, you know what? I've always wanted a little. You know, I've always wanted to be free. I've, you know, I, I remember when I was a little child, I always liked to do this too. We were born in sin, created in iniquity. The reason that we're here is because we're saying we're sinful people and there is a Savior. Hallelujah. Now I want to live like that. I don't want us to be simple people that go by just being punished. How many people, we, we have scripture, and scripture, and we see people's lives in bondage. See people's lives in bondage to debt. We ought to be a people that are not in debt. 
Thank you. Someone better say amen. I don't care if you're in debt or not right now. We need to be people that say amen to that and work our way out of it. Because the debtor is a, is, is a slave to the lender. My life is not my own. Got people that are living in, in, in the, out from under authority. That's not God's purpose. We got people that aren't involved in the, in, the, in, the, in the kingdom of God. We got people that are just making their own decisions. We got people that is not the kingdom of God. Now I'm not saying we're going to. Now again, the question came up on on Wednesday. See, sometimes we we make the mistake of stumbling or being tempted or making one stupid decision is like that. Unfortunately, we have, well, I can't even say unfortunately. It's always seemed right in the sight of God. But it's, I'm not talking about a one-time deal. There should be a pattern of life. See, I just had a problem the other day. I'm going to, I'm going to share about this because I was very, very upset about it. The Bible talks about a, a, a good name is better than silver or gold. And if the shoe fits, please hear it and change. I, me and my wife work very difficult. Not, not difficult. We enjoy doing it. But we work very hard to have a good name financially. So when you say the name of Victor Bedoyan, the Bedoyan's down at Town Hall to get utilities turned up, no problem. I've never had a problem like that before. Now, for some reason, I, unbeknownst to me, and maybe that was part of the problem, I guess somebody else had been paying our utility bills at the travel and so forth and, and at the church and things like that. And we just went to get some utilities turned on. My wife walks in there and says, and they know us, and they understand. And the, and the late thing was only one or two days, you know, so it wasn't like a late problem. And they said, well, you need a $600 deposit. Now, I'm mad. First, you know, I'm mad for two reasons. First off, I have to pay $600, and that's your fault, okay? Now, don't get condemned. Well, get just changed. Whoever did that, I'm very upset with, okay? Now, who is it? I'm not telling you. There's several people involved. But see, again, that tells me we haven't learned something. We're getting awful quiet in here. So she said, well, what about this? Nope, nope, nope. And even to the church, the church had been late two times in a year. Now, I talked to Don about that because everybody knows Don. He, he wasn't well aware of it. I said, well, you be aware of that because I don't. When I go in there, my name, I want my name. To, they, they might think I'm weird. They might think, man, he's... I almost want to. I, I need to get a T-shirt that says I'm not a Muslim because that's going to come up soon. And they might have all kinds of story, but you know what? You can. That man has a good. He's got a good reputation. Can't say anything about that. Now, when my wife went in and told him, "Oh yes, you're good folks. We understand. We just one of them was a bank transaction that was funny. Some of it was just. But I want that bill paid. Now, hear me well. I don't want that bill paid on Monday if it's due on Tuesday. I want that bill paid in my name. Cleared. Now, I, I, boy, if that was that easy to clear my name, that'd be great. <laughs> but you, you understand what I'm saying? I'm kind of getting serious because this is real stuff. This is like, oh, well, not behind the sky. I went in there and I had to pay $600. I don't like that. But more than what I don't like is, no, I want, man, you can trust those people. They, they still do, but it was like, like I said, there was some stuff there. But I want us to hear wisdom now and saying, there's some evil coming. You pay that bill on time with plenty of room to spare. All right? And if you can't, you better let me know or come up with the $600 yourself. <laughs> All right? You understanding that? Okay, now we turn to Psalms chapter 1. Like I said, there's things that come up that, you know, happen. Now, I, I talk... Now, just to get me... See, I preach here. 
see, I preach here, and when I do, I get, you know, my eyes kind of get like this, get a little flush, get a little darker, my eyes are dark, I'm like, but now when I talk to you, did I yell at you? I said, Don, here's a situation, this is what happened, and man, I, I don't want that to happen again, make sure it doesn't take place, and he was, like I said, I think it was an honest mistake, he didn't do it on purpose, and I think maybe like something happened in the mail, but I said, now you, so I mean, it wasn't like, oh man, that guy is like, yeah, now, when I'm preaching, I'm preaching, okay? When I talk to Don, look at Don. I don't think I say anything bad to Don. His hair never gets out of place. Actually, there was one time, there was one time, I think Adam said it. They said, man, I think they came to me and said, you better pray for Don. His hair's messed up. He must be really going through it. And I've never, I see. see, that's why you should always pray for me. <laughs> so I want to see, now again, and again, wow, how can he talk like that? Well, I'm talking like that because I'm preaching something that I want to get into your, into your heart. When I when I talked to Don, that was a reproof, but I wasn't I wasn't yelling like this and saying, "Man, you dope!" and I'll have your job. And I don't want his job. <laughs> Generally, does pretty good, but most of the time we get a little lapse here and there. What's the important thing? Okay, I think I drove that point home enough, and I won't be happy until I get my six hundred dollars back. Well, let's say we didn't have that six hundred dollars. I mean, this is real stuff. This is the stuff that's, that's real. I think they must have heard me on the phone, other end of the phone. I was, man. They said, and then my wife said, do you want us both to sign? They said, no, no, no. <laughs> she said later, she said, no, no, not if he's mad. You're, you can just sign. <laughs> she explained me the way. She, she has, she's very good at that. She says, no, he's not really mad. He's a little disappointed. And anyway. All right. Now, again, there needs to be this lifestyle of prudence and wisdom that comes into us. So I'm not going, oh, well, I can't ever do that perfect. Nobody, the Lord Jesus Christ does it perfect. But there needs to be a heart set. See, and the enemy wants to come to you first off and lie to you and say, you'll never get it right. So what's the next thing? Don't even try. Because if you try, you know what? You're just going to fall again. And you know what you need to say to that? Say, thank God, hallelujah, I'm fulfilling Scripture. I said somebody. Pay attention when I'm talking to you. <laughs> I said, boy, he said, the Bible says what? A righteous man, any righteous here by the blood of Jesus Christ. A righteous man's going to fall seven times and get up. The unrighteous never fall. I never fell when I was a sinner. I never had to get up. I stayed down. Just lived in the gutter. That was, I had tamed. Get up, get up. What are you, Nuts. Like the rocky, get up, stay down. Nah, it's like that kind of thing. See, but we get this idea that you know a righteous man. Oh, well, I'm going to a righteous man's going to fall. Have you fell? Good. You know what you got opportunity to do? Get tough. Get a thick hide. Get up. If you're down, get up. We have money riding on this thing. It's kind of like you know if you get the boxers down. Get up, you bum. <laughs> All right. So I want to walk in this place that, okay, well, now see, a right, the only person that's going to fall is someone who has a goal. Someone who's pressing towards the mark. See, I mean, I got all these things, get hit by these things, but oh, I get back up and I get back on the right path. I don't care if seven times, now what, you know why it says seven? It's kind of seven times 70, like Jesus said. It's going to be a continual thing. Keep getting up. Now, if you, if you're, if you, if you stay down too long, you probably need a kick. Okay, you need to like, that's enough. Get out of the gutter. Let's get up and, and keep moving. You don't want to stay there. I'll read this and then we'll stop. 
So there needs to be this idea of a lifestyle that says, you know what, I need to develop this prudent mind to start seeing as God starts seeing. So it says in verse 1 of chapter 1 of Psalm, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, I want you to see a process here. You'll see the same process in the story of Lot. I'll give you Lot, then we'll come back to this. Lot, the righteous man, where did he pitch his tents? Outside Sodom and Gomorrah. Then he's inside Sodom and Gomorrah, and then he's sitting in the gates with these wicked people. He is in fellowship and in the same mindset. It didn't happen. He's outside the gates, in the city, and now he's thinking the same. All right? This is what we are in the world, and we need to watch our thinking. This is the same process. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. There are certain things I have to train myself not to listen to. There's things that I hear, but I don't listen to them. I've already been counseled on that. I have direction in that. I don't do that. They are not open for interpretation. They are not open for any prayer. They are a closed issue because I've been given my orders. If we start to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, oh, they said this and this is going on. I think this and... Then pretty soon we're walking. Then what we find, we find ourselves standing in the way of sinners. Now we've kind of stopped, like Lot. We're outside. I was walking. I heard this and I heard this. And Yeah, I think that's right. And I don't know why we're doing that. Stop! God never explains the Ten Commandments. I look at those and go, I don't know why we can't do that. I don't know why we can't do that. I don't know why we can't do that. Wouldn't it be nice if there just was no rules? Anybody have that one ever go through their mind? Why couldn't we just all get along and just live naked in the forest? Because it would be an ugly situation. <laughs> Especially in Arizona, you get poked everywhere. But anyway, okay. Those things are there. But we need to reject those. Okay, so we're, well, I don't want to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I started listening and saying, oh yeah, you know, that doesn't sound too bad. You know, he's not a hell's angel anymore. I guess it's okay now. I guess it, no, it's not okay. And then once you're, you're walking in the counsel of the ungodly, I start standing. This isn't so bad, you know. How many people remember the first time you did something, maybe when you were really young, the first time you did something really bad? Remember that one? I remember. I got caught shoplifting. I remember to this day, Fox Animal Crackers. Stupid little kid. You see it on TV, I'm walking out like this. Guy grabs me, it's all over. I remember, man, I'm going past that. Because we never had animal crackers in our house. It was about childhood. <laughs> Doesn't matter, you're going to jail, kid. I remember going like, oh, man, oh, wow, sweat's coming off of me. Oh, man, oh, wow. You remember the feeling, man? Okay, it's like, oh, wow. Then after a while, stealing was like, it was like breathing. I started standing in the way because I gave place to the counsel of the wicked. Then, you know, oh, well, I didn't get struck down dead. Maybe I just need to learn how to do it better. Well, I learned how to do it better. And as a matter of fact, maybe that's a curious story. That's the way I got saved. You didn't, I got saved because I got caught shoplifting some, you know, 15, 20 years, 15 years later. Same, but I had my story down really much better. I was cool as a cucumber. I was going, man, I don't know what you, I had stuff stuffed in my pants and everything. I'm, ter- I'm ratting out this other guy. I don't know what you're talking about, man. It must be that guy outside. And I'm clinging this stuff as a, 
and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm, I know it sounds funny, but I'm looking at myself and I'm going, what are you doing? I'm, I'm ratting this other guy out. I am whining so good, this man actually gives me a dollar. I am feeling lower than a snake's belly. Then I get saved that same evening. Now, I'm not saying go, get, go, go steal something from Saveway is the way to get saved. That's not the way to do it. But, uh, okay. So we find ourselves listening to the counsel of the ungodly. I need to, like, start saying, wait a minute. That's not the, that's what I'm saying. Listen to the counsel of your father. That woman, she smells like cinnamon. She's looking pretty good. Bad woman. I don't think she's a bad, bad woman. Got it. That's all I need to know. But if I start thinking about, well, you know, you know, Dad's kind of old. It's a new generation now. Hey, you know, I've got, I'm, I kind of know what I'm doing. And you know, the, the wise woman, she makes good baklava, but she looks like my grandma. And this, this lady, she really understands me. She really cares for me. They're looking out for my... No, don't do it! Which counsel are you going to listen to? If you're walking in the counsel of the ungodly like everybody else, oh, look at her, she's a good-looking chick. She can wear like this and she can do this. Oh, You start listening to that, pretty soon you're going to start standing there. And you're standing on the street corner... Oh, honey. <laughs> uh, anyway, you got the pig. I'm trying to make it light because when I got heavy, nobody was laughing. All right. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Run! The next step is he sits in the seat of the scornful. He's walking, standing, and pretty soon he's at home. Oh, man, the church, they always, yeah, they're a bunch of, yeah, I don't like this. And I'll tell you, i got a lot of people that think like me. Well, hell is filled up with a lot of people that think just like you. We need to think just like this. And even if I, you know, guess what? Well, I don't think like that. That's the purpose. The purpose is to show you where you don't think like that. And by following this, it proves and makes acceptable the truth that God is greater than me. See, it's not just, well, I believe it, but it's when I actually obey and do this, it's showing that I love him. It's showing that I believe he is greater than me. But the devil understood that if you touch a man in his flesh, this is what he, this is what he said to God about Job. The only reason Job's serving you is because he's got it on easy street. You touch a man to his flesh, you touch him where he has a need. Whatever that need may be, home, finances, money, marriage, whatever it is. You touch him where he lives and he'll curse you to your face. You say, I don't want to do this anymore. But Job, everything was taken from him and he still said, God, you're above me. I follow what you say. Could have done a lot of other things. But he said, I do this to honor you. Amen. Now, this, the subject of counsel, we're not getting that done with that because I think it's so important but this, I believe, is like a forerunner to that. There has to be a change of venue in our brain that says, I now walk like this. I, I don't sit in the seat of the scornful. I don't even entertain that. I hear certain things and go, that's, that's stupid. I just don't do that. And I'll, I'll, I'll be watching TV. I have to actually vocalize that out loud. Man, that, that person's an idiot. Now, I don't rec- I, you probably shouldn't talk like that. I, I talk like that, and I don't know if it's always necessarily right, but in, in my own, own house, when my wife's there, Sometimes even she even says, no, calm down. You know, they, they can't hear you on the TV. Now, I, w- I can't wait for two-way TV. Because then I'd say, you idiot! And they'd say, oh yeah, <laughs> now that I would like the technology of. <laughs> that would be terrific. 
When you get that, you can hook that surround sound up in my TV, because that would be great. But no, there's times that we just have to, wait a minute, no, I can't believe that. Well, wait a minute, we're not going inside that city. I don't belong there. That, that, that's wickedness on a, on a level that I cannot. When we obey the word of God, it shows that God is my God, and it declares that we are sinners, and we need his grace. Amen? Now we're going to then look at how, unless something else comes up, of how I actually learn to grow through hearing counsel. Amen. All right, Lord Jesus, I pray you take the words that are spoken, fulfill your purpose and will in our lives through them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We're